Hey, this is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Hey guys, what's up? Hey Sailor, how you doing? Hey, yeah. good evening. Oh, wow. Hey Matt. Hi. What's shaking? It's Nothing. spring. Spring <laughs> oh, <that> has sprung. <laughs> we are no longer the Arctic tundra. Oh, anymore. yay. <laughs> I did have a terrible yeah. day at work, but I will not let that bring me down. Oh, oh no, I'm don't so do that. Sorry. No. Just drink all your seven beverages on your desk. It must be something <laughs> yeah. to have a bad day at, at work when you're surrounded by bottles of bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I won't. I won't pry any farther. <laughs> so here we are back again, and uh, we're going to be uh, continuing our discussion on the police and Sting. Um, and I just want to let you guys know, in preparation for this, I decided I would watch whatever documentaries there were out there, which I assume there would be tons on the police and Sting. And of course, there was a behind the music on both of them. And there was a docu couple documentaries on the police, the band. Um, and so I've watched all of them. I just went way down the rabbit hole, everything I could find. And uh, it changed my per my it changed how I perceived and feel about the members of the band for sure. <laughs> so, um, Interesting. I think it, yeah, I think it doesn't sound like good news. Well, I mean, for some of them it is, um, mm. I definitely still really like Sting and think he's incredibly talented. Um, and just seems like a solid guy, but, uh, other members of the band, like Stuart Copeland, mm, I would probably punch him in the face. Oh, yeah, Boy, I, I would that's probably. I would I would not be able to get along with him. He seems like a very difficult person to get along with. Like he's a pain in the ass. Um, Temperamental artist. Yeah, but also like just like a dorky guy who <laughs> happened to be in a band with like a really smooth guy and just really mm. couldn't handle it. I don't know. And then poor Andy Summers. It's got to be one of the sweetest guys. <laughs> He's just had to be the middleman and who's kind of the middle child, you know, between the two of these hotheads fighting with each other all the time. Yeah, really. It's usually usually <laughs> not the the lead guitarist that ends up in that position. No, but it is <laughs> it was here. Um, but for, for just to give you an example, there's several parts of these documentaries where Stu <laughs> Stuart Copeland is referring to Sting as the bassist. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> really? The bassist? He's the singer, songwriter, arranger, composer, and yes, a bassist, but <laughs> really, uh, the like, bassist. Oh, yeah. Talk to the bassist. Yeah, he's like, oh, and then I have the bassist telling me how to do this and that. And I'm like, oh boy, oh boy. Um, yeah. Sounds like we're lucky we got five years out of him then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, it, it's interesting because now it being so many years, I got to watch them when they were very young and still in the police. And then there was a really great documentary about them going to the to the Far East, they called it at the time. And um, so, again, they're still in the band. 
Then there was a documentary on their their tour that they did in 2000, what was that, seven and eight? Yep. So yeah. that was uh, an interesting, you know, thing to see. But <laughs> Sting made it very clear that although they toured again, there was no way they were ever going to make an album together again. And um, yeah, I, I, I think I understand now why. So. Okay. Yeah, I definitely have to go. Like I said, I was planning on watching those, but didn't get around to it. But I kind of always imagined that Sting would have been like the prima donna in that situation. I was just going to say that. Yeah. With this, with this one name and everything. Like, yeah. Well, he didn't give himself Sting. a name. Let's be fair. Know, he, it was made fun of as, you know, a young guy. But um, no, I think what I took from it was that by the time Sting made it to. Um, get together with Stuart Copeland. Um, I think that he was already a well-formed musician and had an idea of what he wanted to do, what he wanted to play, what kind of songs he wanted to write. Not that he had, you know, he had gone nowhere really in his career, but I think, I mean, obviously he's just a natural talent. So I think that it, it, he seems to be someone that just is very kind of, laid back in that sense where he just is like, I can stick to my guns because he doesn't really care either way, you know, and like this music I want to play and this is it. And that doesn't, I don't think that works when you're trying to form a new band, you know, because obviously right. you're going to want to, yeah. he really wanted to do all the songwriting and all. I think they said by the second album, it was just like Sting took over everything um, and wanted to write everything. And when he would bring in a demo it was like a fully formed song. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And they're like, I guess we're not writing this together. And I mean, I can see that from both ends. I can see how, you know, frustrating that would be as a band. And I can see how frustrating that would be as an artist yourself, you know, feeling like, well, I'm already, obviously he was already ready for that, you know, and he would have yeah. been held back by the rest of the band. What do you do in that situation? Right. I can see it as if you're an artist with a, already a fully formed vision in your head having to compromise with the other members of the band would be very difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah. Very difficult. Very difficult. Especially when you're not really playing the style of music that you're interested in playing, that would make it even more challenging. And we've seen this, this thread through so many bands. Um, Yeah. It's so interesting when you can compare the, the, the police's music style to what sting has gone on to do. Mm-hmm. As a solo artist, they're yes. so far removed from each other. Yes, <laughs> it's it's just incredible. It's like the Van Halen thing too. It's like yes, when, yeah. They oh, were going yeah. here, and you yeah. know, David Lee Roth was yeah. going here, and everybody else <laughs> yes. wanted to stay here. Good, good yeah. point, Matt. Good yeah. point. Well, and that also, was about five years too. Yeah. yeah, and and we've we brought this up um, about Randy Rhodes and Ozzy. We brought this up about um, Cliff and Metallica had both of those young men survived would they have stayed with those bands mm. playing that style of music because it really wasn't what you know ultimately they wanted to do other things and there have sure. been so many rumors that you know randy was already ready to leave to do his own thing again you know you evolve as a musician and that doesn't always mean you're going to grow together with the band you're with um mm-hmm. but before we get too deep into this whoa 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 before the music always comes the whiskey. So, uh, what are you guys all drinking tonight? I'll go first tonight. Okay. 
Yeah, for a change. I was anxious to hear what Matt usually has something interesting. Yeah, I do have something interesting today. So I am drinking scotch, 12-year single malt from Speyside. Uh, I always have a problem with this name for some reason, but I think it's Benriach. Benriach? I think it. Maybe. I think it's. Ben don't Rock. ask me. That sounds Ben Rock. Yeah, that sounds good. I don't know. Yeah, either. I mean, there probably is a pronunciation on the bottle here somewhere, but uh, this one's I've called. This, yeah, this one's called the Smoky Twelve. So it is a three cask, aged, uh, twelve year single malt. They do Marsala. They do uh, a Marsala wine cask, sherry cask, and a bourbon cask. So twelve years in each cask, and then they marry it together at the end. Uh, twelve years in each cask. Yes. And then they marry it together at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. Nice. Yeah. So it's not like yeah. it's it takes 36 years. No, 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 no. They no, got no, like no, 12 years no. and three different yeah. batches. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have like, you know, I don't know, a liter left over at the end of it. And this is uh, one of the many feathers in the cap of the master blender, whose name is Rachel Barry who has been in the whiskey industry, specifically Scotch, for about 30 years. She She's worked really at all the big boys. She's worked at Ardbeg, Glen Morangie. Uh, she, then she, I think she she signed on with Brown Foreman maybe three or four years ago, and she's been really leading the charge with these guys, with Glendronic uh, and a couple other brands from them, a couple other Scotch brands. And, uh, you know, I probably would have never bought this, but the fact that the three cask marriage really just kind of grabbed me and it is so beautifully well balanced between vanilla mm -hmm. and the smoke which is not overpowering smoke it's not the band-aidy thing that you guys always make fun of me for uh it's much softer there's some sweetness there that balances it out so this is a killer bottle okay. and i think i paid 65 dollars for it so can i um just share something with you real quick matt to help you out help me out yes yeah, yeah, just real quick. Is it one of those audio pronunciations? Yeah, hold on. Let's see the okay. model. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there you go. Ben Riach. I probably said it right. Oh, oh, this guy, yeah. <laughs> ben, well, I said it, I said it yeah, right, but on. I had the I had the pronunciation on the wrong syllable. The Ben Riach. Ben Riach. Yeah. I said Ben Riach. So yeah, you really gotta have wrong, you gotta have a little syllable. bit of plum in your throat when you say that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I I think I, so. I have tried one. I don't remember what expression I tried from the Ben Riach, but um, <laughs> I tried something and I actually liked it because now I know it's the Isla Pete that I don't care for. So. Mm -hmm. um, because there are several things now that I'll drink that are, I feel like I always say that it's softly smoked. Um, you know, this like is both peated and unpeated malt, though. It's not completely. It's not completely. Oh, that's malt. probably why I like it too. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. It's not overwhelming. Very light on the mm -hmm. peat. Light on the peat. For Pete's peat. sake. <laughs> Stupid. Stupid. You can tell he's a dad. <laughs> Here come the dad jokes. Mm. <laughs> Ed, what's in your glass tonight? My glass tonight? Well, I had an opportunity to join in an online, uh, like a Zoom whiskey tasting with a couple of founders and a few other folks of a 
um, whiskey brand in Tennessee. And I hadn't really heard too much about it before this. I got an invite to intend this and I'm glad I did. Um, the distillery in question is Chattanooga whiskey. And we got to taste a couple of different expressions. Um, and I really liked their 91 proof. I thought was was really good. So that's what I have here tonight. I have the Chattanooga whiskey, uh, 91 proof uh, straight bourbon whiskey. And I believe, I don't want to speak out of turn. I think this one, yeah, they used, they have a 4,000 gallon oak Solera barrel that they use for this. So it, it's a mixture of different ages of bourbons. Um, and the, the, on the bottle, it says age greater than two years. But I guess depending on how long, you know, it, it goes on, you know, being the Solera method, there could be a little bit of, you know, some pretty old bourbon in there. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And so I went out and I was very surprised to find a bottle of this at our little uh, local mom and pop liquor store down the street from us. So it's, it's good a, stuff. I like Yeah, I it like is. Is that, is that the 91 or the 111? It's the 91. The 91. 91 solid, yeah. solid bottle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually had a chance to visit that distillery a couple summer. I don't know how many summers ago. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed hearing about their story and all that mm-hmm. they've done for their town, for the city, yeah. for the downtown area, for for literally cha- helping to change laws in Tennessee about what distilleries can do and cannot do. And, you know, just really fantastic, um, fantastic group of people. So, yeah, I love that you chose that. Yeah, but they definitely know what they're doing. This is another good example of a, uh, I know, Sailor, we've talked in the past about your your small craft bourbons and whiskeys. Um, go out, seek them out, support these small distillers. Uh, they can put out some really special stuff, and this is a great example, another great example of uh, what you can find. It's a really nice, well-balanced uh, bourbon. It's a uh, a little bit on the sweeter side as your you know your typical bourbon is um it's got a little bit of i could say some vanilla and caramel notes and uh some definitely some baking spices going on in there and uh yeah it's just a really easy sipper uh 91 proof it's got a little bit of heat without being too overpowering and you can really really taste the flavors in there really well so yeah i'm a big fan yeah, that's that's they're fantastic. I'm getting like raisins on the finish, so you got like the like the dried fruit. Yeah, Ooh, good stuff, nice. and a great price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, I am drinking um, an American whiskey tonight, and uh, since mm. Women's History Month just concluded, I wanted to pull out another bottle. Um, with a kick-ass lady behind it. I am drinking Widow Jane 10. Oh, yeah. Which is just a phenomenal pour. Um, Lisa Roper Wicker is... I am such a fan. Like, she is. she's such a rock star. Yeah, she's if in my to, Instagram feed. Yep. Yes, she is. If I had to choose meeting, you know, I don't know, a... a female musician versus her i would choose her (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, she's so smart and so talented and so incredible. And um, just what she does is so amazing. Um, I'm going to actually talk a little bit about more about her in the future. So I don't want to go too deep into it. But, you know, talk about blending. And Matt and I, we've been talking about this for years now and years. Ah, such blending geeks we are. Mm. <laughs> we, we are total blending <laughs> yes. geeks. Um, just the art of blending and what it takes to be an actual blender. Um, you know, not someone who just picks things that are already blended, but understands how to blend. And one of the things that I absolutely love is her attention to the water in her, in her whiskey. And so, um, Sure, you know, in, in Kentucky and in Tennessee and in uh, Southwest Ohio, you've got that limestone water. And, and in Kentucky, there's a whole, the water department is, I mean, people like know them on the streets, you know, they're they're the rock stars of the <laughs> bourbon industry, and rightly so, making sure that, you know, their water c- continues to be what it's supposed to be for one of their largest industries. Um, and that's really one of the things that Lisa is so serious about is the water and using um, this mineral water from New York um, and just the way she's able to blend flavors and her understanding of flavors is just unbelievable. So um, highly recommend go get a bottle of Widow Jane. Check it out. It doesn't matter what expression. Um, I want to talk about their Applewood um, here in, in a few weeks. We'll, we'll go down that rat hole a little bit. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean... Just phenomenal whiskey. I'm actually having a cocktail tonight because it's been a really long time since I had a cocktail on the show. I actually don't drink a ton of cocktails anymore because I'm always making drinks for everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) I think I made, I think if we count it up, I made over 600 cocktails just this week for our cocktail kits. Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to be getting a few of those. Yours should be yours. It's on its way already. You're yep. probably getting an email from Robin as we speak with your tracking. Yeah, number. I, I got my email today. Okay. okay. Looking forward to it. Yeah, you'll probably get it Friday <laughs> tomorrow or Saturday, probably. Um, so yeah, so I am having just something very simple because I don't want to put too much into this. Just um a little bit of a caramel syrup that I made and some Hella Mexican chocolate bitters. That's it. And and a dehydrated lemon that's opening up as the um, ice cube um, dissolves. It's that mm-hmm. lemon juice is getting in that. Oh, it's just so delicious. So, yeah. So thank you, Lisa, for all the gifts that you give us. Um, and another kick-ass um, woman in whiskey. Yeah, that's, believe it or not, that's another one I haven't tried yet, but it sounds like I have to. I need to get around to it. Yes, you do. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I would say that, you know, the other thing that's awesome about Widow Jane is the price point is really fantastic. And they are, you know, craft um, out of out of New York, um, but you should be able to find it anywhere. So. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's play a song and then get into our discussion. What do you guys think? Awesome. Let's go. Let's do it. You ready for this? I am ready. Do it. Get your boxing gloves on. (laughs) 
unlike Hello. Jenny, Roxanne is a hooker. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> Bada bing. <laughs> I love it. Anyone who's right. listened to our One Hit Wonders episode will get you it. You know exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Um, so everyone listening... Uh, if you follow me on Spotify, which I think a lot of you do, I'm just Sailor Guevara on Spotify. I made a playlist called Sting Forever. Um, so you can tune into that. Um, so let me just go through some vital statistics before we get into our discussion. Because I just want to preempt some possible bullshit. All right, shall we? Okay. Okay. So Sting has received 17 Grammy Awards. He has won three Brit Awards, including Best British Male Artist, an Outstanding Contribution, a Golden Globe, an Emmy, and four nominations for the Academy Award for Best Original Song. He received a BMI Award for Every Breath You Take, becoming the most well-played song in radio history. In 2002, Sting received the Ivor Novella Award for Lifetime Achievement from the British Academy of Songwriters, Composers, and Authors. And he was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Um, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of the police in 2003. He received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. In 2003, he also received a CBE from Queen Elizabeth at Buckingham Palace for services to music. Does that make him a sir? Yes. The most yes. excellent okay. order of the British Empire. So he's a sir now. Um, no, thing. that's if you're knighted, right? I don't know. Oh, no, no don't know it's, it's, uh, it's uh, the CBE is the most excellent order of the British Empire. It yeah, sounds very Bill and Ted-ish. Most excellent order. <laughs> <laughs> it says it's, it's a British award, order. British order of chivalry. The most British out. award possible would yeah. be most excellent. Um, anyway, okay, he was uh, also um, made a Kennedy Center honoree at the White House in 2014 and was awarded the Polar Prize in Music in 2017. So he is a, <laughs> a very well-lauded artist. Let's dive into a couple of his solo albums. So um, just to recap, after leaving the police... Um, actually, before leaving the police, he started writing um, The Dream of Blue Turtles, which came out in June of 85. Um, the album was number two on the U.S. Billboard charts and went three times platinum in the U.S. Does anybody know what prevented him from being number one? Uh, no? Bueller? Not off the top of my head. Bueller. Born in the USA. Oh, uh, <laughs> mm. right. Yeah, just you know, very, very different. Uh, yeah, sounds. very, so, different. very different. So from this album, he had a huge, huge hit, which was "If You Love Somebody, Set Them Three, which was number three in the U.S. and charted all over the world. Um, let me just play a little ditty from that for us. Somebody, 
All right. So um, interesting thing about that song. Most people thought it was a police song. <laughs> they thought it was the police. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, the police had just finished and it wasn't, you know, they didn't say, oh, we're breaking up and this is happening. We're going to do a final tour and, you know, it's going to be a, a goodbye. It was just like, oh, a new song is on the radio. You hear Sting singing and you just assume it's the police, you know, I don't know if you recognize like, oh, did they get back together? What happened? Because it wasn't complete. I mean, they said that they weren't going to make another album after their last um, show in Australia, but they didn't really say breakup at the time. Well, I have a little bit of a different recollection of that. Okay. I remember Steen coming out with a solo album was kind of a big deal at the time. So mm -hmm. at least I in my circle knew that, oh, that's Sting and his new solo work. You know, coming out because I remember it being kind of a big deal. You know, he left the police and he's doing his own thing. You know, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there if they weren't aware of it. Maybe. Yeah, it was a big deal, but it was so, so quickly after they broke up that a lot of people initially just thought, oh, this is a police song and then realized, oh, that's the song off of his new album. And yes, his new album and et cetera, et cetera. Um, he had some major hits with this um, oh yeah album. i mean that album was loaded major major so um you i think everybody knows the song russians at this yep. point oh That's such a timely album. song oh my Oof. gosh oh big time um fortress around your heart was huge yep. love is the seventh wave was i remember I, isn't that the song he did on saturday night live i think if i remember i have no recollection of that it could be i don't know Moon over Bourbon Street. So just oh, yeah. big, big hits on this album. Um, yeah. One thing we didn't we didn't touch on either um, is his actual full name here is Gordon Matthew Thomas Sumner. No wonder he just wanted to go by Sting. <laughs> <laughs> so With a he, long name like that. So it, well, it was his first band, and they said, well, you, everybody has to have nicknames in this band, ah. so we're going to have to come up with a nickname for you. So he shows up to practice with a sweatshirt that <laughs> looks like the Charlie Brown shirt. It's like black and yellow stripes. And they're like, oh, you look like you, you idiot just got your, like, a big B. You're, what are you going to give, sting us all? We're going to call you Sting. And that was the end of that. <laughs> I love I mean, it. the way he says it is way funnier than the way I'm saying it, but... <laughs> Um, so, I mean, this album, you know, like I said, it goes three times platinum in the U S it's a massive hit. Um, I don't think he had any concerns about what his career was going to be after the police <laughs> <laughs> with this album. Fortress around your heart. That's another big one. I don't think you mentioned oh, that one. That yeah. song is probably, I'm going to play a clip because this is one of my top, hmm. top favorite songs from. Play the clip, and then I have to ask you a question when we come okay. back from that. Yeah. Okay. I might answer it. We'll see. <laughs> I returned across the fields I'd known. I recognized the walls that I'd once made. Had to stop in my tracks for fear. So, 
that song is such a great example of I mean there's so many great examples but the his songwriting is so amazing it's just if you listen to the lyrics in that it's absolutely incredible do you think that when he went solo do you think it was a large a very large percentage of police fans that went with him and you think those fans stuck around for a while or do you think it was mostly a new audience that were kind of open to his music you know because it is different you, you you know it does progress differently i would say that considering the success that he had post police and with the police that he retained a majority of the audience and then picked up an equal amount of new listeners. He is bigger than the police. Yeah. We know that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that um, initially, you know, were the police fans punk rockers? They really weren't. And that's the thing, like Stuart Copeland wanted to have punk rock band. That's what he was into that. I think more that's what he thought was going to make it at the time and be a hit. And he was smart. He was, you know, he was right. I don't, I mean, we know what real punk rock is. I don't, I don't really think they had this big punk rock and thank God they didn't cause they wouldn't have gone very far. Um, nope. Nope. I, I think the majority of the fans were into the sound that he was creating. Let's just be real. The, after their first album, I mean, he wrote, he's, he's creating the sound of the police that stings. That's his music. Yeah, and I'm sure there were bitter fans that were like, you know, fuck this guy. He wanted to go do his own thing. But I'm sure that there were also those hardcore fans of his that said, you know, whatever this guy does, doesn't matter what it is. He could, you know, take a steaming pile of shit, you know, and we'll still love him. him. I don't think that happened. Because like I said, he's the front man of the band. He's writing all the songs. It's his voice. I mean, sure, the police stopped being the police, but he was instantly out with an album so you still got to have his sounds and he really didn't go the the style of music from this album is not such a departure from what the look at listen to the police's last album right so the dream of this album yes it's yeah right at this time Mm -hmm. it's not so i really don't I don't know. I would love to know it from the listeners if any of you were police fans and when he went on and did his own thing, you were like, fuck him. I don't remember anyone being like that at all. I, we just mm. kept listening to Sting. No, it's and not it like some other bands that I, you know, like uh, Metallica probably being a, a good example of when they mm-hmm. uh, released the Black album, they just lost, you know, a ton of fans, but of course it gained a bunch of new ones. Um, yeah, nothing like that that I can recall at all. Interesting. No, no big controversy. Yeah. No, I, I think it's because, I mean, again, when the Dream of Blue Turtles came out, it was like, oh, it's still Sting. And that's kind of how you felt about the police. Sting was, he was the police as far as we were concerned. You know, he was. I think if there had been years in between, I think if he had maybe come out with, um, you know, the Sumner's tales right on the heels of the police. That might've been like, Whoa, what the fuck? You know? What yeah, is yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, sure. 
but the the comp the the composition the sounds the the vibe of the dream of blue turtles is not that different from the police albums and and i don't think it naturally would be because he's still progressing and he's still you know only he's not that far removed from the police at that point he's just beginning to transition away yeah. So I am not surprised that it's not that. And because you get a, a song like Fortress Around Your Heart, which has kind of got a little bit of a bouncy beat, like yep. most of the police songs have. Um, although, you know, there are some other songs like Russians, which are more somber. Um, and uh, Moon but Over couldn't you see? But couldn't you see the police doing Russians? I could. I could totally see that. Not I mean, Moon Over Bourbon Street. Russians, I could see them doing. Yeah, definitely not Moon Over Bourbon Street. That's no. more of a like a jazz, yeah, yeah, style. Yes. Um, but yeah, coming back to Russians, though, I remember that that song made such an impression on me at the time because I mean, Matt, I don't know. This might be a little harder for you to imagine at the time, but yeah, I'm trying to think of a modern day equivalent. Um, the Russians were really, you know, by our government and everything, or they were kind of in, even in the, the mainstream, the media and everything, they were kind of vilified as like, you know, almost like how we would think about maybe like the the Taliban or ISIS nowadays, where, you know, these people, they're heartless, they're out, they just want nothing but death to America and all mm -hmm. this stuff. And here comes a song. Well, I think that had been going on for decades at that yeah, point. It, it had, yeah, it had. Yeah, yeah. And it this is our it makes an attempt This is our yeah. of it yeah. at our age. It makes you think gotcha. about them. It, it humanizes them. As humans, exactly. As they're not yep. that much different from us. And they still have, yes. they have feelings too. And they want their kids to do, you know, grow up in a safe in a in a safe world or whatever. But yeah. Well, it was a very was, polarizing uh, time because it was a very singular enemy you know, mm -hmm. and the Americans uh, were very successful in making the Russians the world enemy. Um, and so as a ch child growing up like that, it was the one singular focus. And at the time the song came out, it was what everybody was talking about. It was um, it was a fear I would go to bed with all the time. There were freaking movies. T there was a TV movie. Was it called The Day After, Ed? That one? Yes. Yep. About the nuclear. Yep. I mean, it was what talk about terrifying to children. And we mm -hmm. didn't have the kind of shit that you have now. Kids are so desensitized to things. But I remember. So I, when I was in college, I, I went to Barcelona for a, a program and I met a Russian girl. And it was the first time that I was able to meet a, a person. My, she was exactly my age from Russia, not who had lived in the US and, you know, was an immigrant, but mm -hmm. still living in Russia. And oh, she didn't wow. speak any English. And she had a translator with her. And we there was kids from all over the world. And we were all like talking to each other. And her and I kept making eye contact. And finally, I, I asked the organizer, like, I, I would really like some time with her, because you got like this time to sit down and ask each other questions. And she was like, turns out we were both desperate to talk to each other, anybody that more than anyone else there, which of course, you know. And so just sitting and talking with her, we had the same exact experiences growing up. I, I told her I used to wait by the bus stop. And if I heard this 
really loud noise, I would think, oh my God, are they, is that the bomb? Are they dropping the bomb, the Russians? And it would always be the Russians doing it. And she said, oh my God, she used to have like exact, they would have drills that the Americans are bombing them and just everything, same thing. Mm-hmm. She said, when the Russian song came out, it was banned in Russia at first. And of course it became, you know, everybody was bootlegging it. And then they actually started playing it because they realized what he was saying. It's really about, yep. What it's really, yeah. And it was something that we could, that we could share together, this song that both made us have an awareness for each other. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Because they were being told the same thing. We were cruel and heartless. You know, we have people who live on the streets and don't have any food. And they were like, what? How is that possible? You know, just you know it's the typical political polarizing but that song was unbelievable at the time but again i don't think it was something that the police wouldn't have done in my in my opinion matt what is your take on this album well i'll have some hotter takes with some later stuff but i think that i mean the guy's fucking amazing. I mean, he really comes out of the gate super strong. Like you said, if you didn't know any better, you could have said that this was another police album with the trajectory that they were going. So I did not mind this album whatsoever. It's just another feather in the cap for him uh, with everything that he did with the police. So great songs, deeper sort of levels to his songwriting, right? Yeah, songwriting, I would mm-hmm. say here really kind of expanding that horizon a little bit. You're not getting your tip. He did that on synchronicity too, but you're not getting your typical police, you know, themes from their first three albums, three, three or four albums here. So um, it it was really good. I I didn't think I would like it, but I did enjoy this one. Yeah. I think it's a phenomenal album and, and it was just, it was so popular when it came out. Um, and then he doesn't waste a lot of time. In 87, he's back with a new album, which is nothing like The Sun. And again, massive hits. It goes two times platinum. Um, we'll Be Together is a gigantic hit off of this album. And then Be Still My Beating Heart, Englishman in New York, and Fragile. Fragile is probably one of the most incredible songs he's ever written. Um, if you, I listened to an isolated track so that there was no vocals on it. And the, the music is, the composition is stunning. And then again, reading the lyrics to it and just the way he's such an incredible poet. He's such an amazing writer. This song just always blows me away. Um, and then of course you have, they dance alone, which we should definitely talk about. Oh, I don't know if you realized it, but just like recently, as in probably since our last recording, they've released a video sting and an artist called Shirazi have released a, uh, they did a duet. It's called Englishman slash African in New York. And apparently this Shirazi artist Shirazi is an African artist. He released a song African in New York, which is based off of and. Uh, sting song and they did like they have like a duet in there it's really cool it's on uh youtube on vivo um if you should go check it out it's pretty cool and uh i guess they just they performed it live on uh 
on TV and like Good Morning America just you know a few days ago too. So he's still out there doing stuff. Oh God, yeah, he is. Um, so they dance alone. Um, little known fact: Eric Clapton is accompanying him on this song um, on guitar. Do you guys know what this song is about? They nope. dance alone. I I don't. I missed that one. So um, it's a protest song, and um, it's a metaphor referring to the mor- to mourning the Chilean women um, who dance the. I'm going to pronounce this wrong. I apologize. The Quechua. I can't. Quechua. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the national dance of Chile and they dance alone with the photographs of their husbands and sons and brothers who have disappeared Mm. um, at the hands of dictators um, in specific Pinochet. Um, So again, you have to remember this is the late eighties. And so to see, to see the footage is, something you only want to do when you're feeling well in your mind because it's very upsetting um he was responsible for killing thousands and thousands they don't even know how many between 1973 and 1990 um and so it was recorded in both english and spanish and um just a, a really important song because it kind of shed light to the rest of the world before we had, you know, YouTube and social media and all of that um, on what was going on um, in Chile and really who, you know, what what was happening under the P- the Pinochet regime. Um, he played it at the at Nelson Mandela's seventieth seventieth birthday tribute, um, which was an Amnesty International concert, and um, he played it with Peter Gabriel. Um, And then he actually played um, with a, um, um, what am I trying to say? A a Chilean national band. I can't know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Just absolutely incredible. Um, It's, it's amazing. Once again, the writing is incredible and the symbolism is, is just unbelievable. So, and this I think is really when he begins to, I mean, he did it with Russians of course, but I think this is when he comes into his own, um, not only just as being strong as a solo artist, but also being able to, um, be political, you know, and voice his own views and his own, um, protests. And, and I think he does it really, really well in this album. So, um, I'm going to play They Dance Alone for a minute. Maybe you don't remember it. And if you hear it, um, you'll remember it. So let me just pull that up real quick. Okay, I recognize it now that I hear it. Super powerful. Very powerful. Again, 
Um, he's definitely someone that you want to pull out those liner notes back in the day and read the lyrics to his songs for sure. Um, and then of course there's we'll be together, which was, you know, the massive hit off this album. If you guys remember, I'll play this Mm -hmm. for you guys as well. Mm -hmm. Another kick-ass song. The great backup what? singers behind him in that one. Oh man, yeah, it's such a great. fucking great song. Anyway, yeah, uh, I see Andy Summers made a couple of appearances in this album too. He did, yeah, 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 yeah. So yep. st- sticking around. Yeah, I mean, they like I said, Andy got along with everybody, and I think yeah. Sting and Andy were fine with each other. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> they were the problem. And yeah. I hate, I mean, I don't know. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm gleaning this from documentaries, but I don't give a fuck. It's my opinion. Um, I, I think it was just two very strong personalities that both wanted to be in control, and I think one was talented enough to do so, and the other was not as much. So yeah, yeah, he didn't really have a leg to stand on. I mean, honestly, I mean, <laughs> not a, that's true. I mean, I mean, he come really on. Fucking didn't. <laughs> no. He really didn't. <laughs> and that is proven with album after album after album on this thing. Yeah. Albums. If it wasn't already proven in the, in the police album. So, um, so that's uh, nothing like the sun. And then he follows that up with soul cages in 91. He won a Grammy for this. It was a number one album in the UK. Um, all this time was a massive, oh, massive awesome radio. Song. I love that song. Great, oh, great song, great song. Um, let me play this, Matt. Do you know this? Are you familiar with this song? Uh, I've probably heard it, but okay. I'd have to hear a few bars. All this time. Such yeah. a great, happy song. Such a great, awesome, upbeat, happy song. This is um, this is the album. We're on Soul Cages, right? Right now, mm-hmm. we're talking about Soul yeah. Cages. Mm-hmm. This this is kind of and a little bit on the last album too. This is kind of where I started to lose it a little bit. So, are you not a jazz fan? So, and I, I made the joke like, "Oh, what's the strongest coffee ever made?" Well, I fucking needed it for this stuff because <laughs> I couldn't you- like it wasn't just it just I don't know it the stuff it's like it's like so good you know what I'm saying but mm-hmm. it's so different it becomes so different than it's the police very stuff. different oh, very yeah. different and if you're looking for the police you're not gonna find each- no absolutely absolutely with each yeah. album it's getting farther and farther yes, farther, he's, he's away. farther away but he's also very yeah. fashionable because he's very of his time in music yeah, correct he was one say, of the yep. 
the forefront of world music, which used yes. to be a term. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he, he certainly has oh, his pulse on what's going on. I give yeah. him that too. But yeah. like I was telling Jen this, like I had to set my alarm for 9 p.m. to record because I was asleep listening to some of this stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like shitting. I mean, the stuff's yeah, taste freaking is, amazing. Yeah, it's just not yeah. my taste. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Taste is subjective. Yeah. We can't argue about taste. Of course. We can't yeah. argue about talent, of course. But this is very of the time. The sounds in this album take me right back to 91. I know exactly where I was and what I was doing and what clothes and hair looked like. And it was all very terrible. But the music was very good. And there was a great divergence that was happening at this time. So prior to this, you had a lot of funk, you had a lot of jazzy stuff and other things in rock. This is when it all starts. It starts parting. This, this is the very early days of that that great div division. Yeah. And so because you're about to have grunge coming on the scene, right? Yep. And this is when everything gets fucked, in my opinion, and why music just sucked for so long, because everything's splitting off into genres as opposed to, I don't know, having sounds that are more like the 80s, <laughs> where you had a little <laughs> bit of everything and everything, you know. But um, so also what's interesting is you can... I happen to know quite a bit about Sting because, as I mentioned before, I've read his biography and I'm a big fan of his. You can also tell that he's journeying through this. He's traveling the world. He's actually, but he's not traveling traveling the world as a band. He's actually able to connect with musicians from these areas he's going to, um, which is, you know, it it changes it changes you completely when mm. you are immersed in other cultures. And that's what he's doing is he's immersed oh, yeah. in other cultures that comes um, through in so many of his songs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big yeah. time. Um, but he was always a jazz musician always. And he always will be. And that is his, that's his heart and soul. If he decides to add rock to it or pop to it, you know, I think that's kind of, that's a little bit more on a whim, but I think at this point he's really playing what he wants to play. And this is what it sounds like. And I think yeah. it's executed. He executes it so well where he can, he can, as you said, sailor travel and incorporate these different elements and introduce these different styles mm -hmm. that to the mainstream in America and the UK yet still keep its sting, you know, mm -hmm. Not yeah. completely going off the deep end and doing crazy stuff. Yeah. So I mean, he he's a genius in that right too. So I mean, the guy just he checks all the boxes when it comes to just everything you want in a musician, really. Yes, uh, that's the perfect way to say it. Yes, because he's evolving, and in in this case, this is a musician I want to evolve, and I'm not often of that mind. And I've made that very clear. There are some bands that just shouldn't have evolved. They should have just kept doing what they did well because they didn't, I don't know, have the thing to evolve. And there's other artists that evolve. And I, even though the, it's, they're, they're different entities, I love all of them equally, even though they're different. You know, um, he's a great example of that. And the other kick-ass song off of this album is Mad About You. And I just want to play that really quick. Um because as I just play, you know, all this time, 
and then mad about you just shows. I think it. It's again, we we know his diversity, but I think this really showcases that being on one album. On a distant planet that whirls around the April moon, whirling in an arc of sadness. I'm lost without you. Once again, his writing is just unreal. Unreal. All right. Next, we have Ten Sumner's Tales. Um, and this is March of 93, and this goes three times platinum. And um, oh, this is his, ones. yeah, this is his sweet spot. I I think this is his sweet spot. This album is um, really, really good. Holy Actually, this is like, yeah, yeah. This album. I grew up, because my, my, my mother was became a big Sting fan, and uh, mm. this was always on rotation on the tape This deck. is the album that did yeah. that. So <laughs> yes. this, this album, um, I, I again watching all the freaking interviews and documentaries that I watched brought a whole new group of fans to him with this album. Um, you've got If I Ever Lose My Faith in You, Fields of Gold, Shape of My Heart. All three of those songs are my favorite. Seven Days, too. Seven Days, I love that yeah. song. Seven as Days well. is a good song. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Right. Yes. This is this is when he was making all the ladies swoon. Didn't matter if you were ninety or ten, everybody had a crush on singing. Yeah, I thought the you know? same thing when I was listening to this again. <laughs> it's so true, right? <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, that's why I say this is his sweet spot. Just a lot of those also, hooks and you know all yes. that stuff. Yeah, it's just oh, how I was swooning. Hard shape of my heart. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my god, shape of my heart. So okay, this. This was definitely like my playlist if I was like into somebody at the time. <laughs> I was like, you know, this was like this was the playlist. Like if you're hooking up with someone, um, you know, if you had a crush on someone or you're dating someone, it was like this was the stuff, you know. Oh, um, but if you look at photos of him, by the way, from 1993 when this album came out, I think it's the best he's ever looked. It's literally this is his golden era. Um, and it's just some of the most incredible songs. Fields of Gold is just, and if I ever lose my faith, again, the lyrics to this song are just, he's just such a phenomenal, I know I keep saying the same thing, but I don't know what else to say. I don't have any more descriptives. Um, I've had too much whiskey. (laughs) 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 Um, but all right, let's let's play a little bit of Fields of Gold. You remember me when the west wind moves upon the fields of Bali. You forget the sun in his jealous sky as we walk in fields of gold. This is how you woo a lady. 
I love this song because he's he's just so stingy in the song, you know, yeah. just with that. Oh. And you can just imagine him like slow walking through fields of barley. Oh yeah, like. I mean, and absolutely. he says fields of barley, so I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> It's like he's so fucking good and he knows it. Like, you know, exactly. no, like, really? <laughs> yeah, by this yeah. time, he does. Yeah, sure. yeah. It's so true. Oh my God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. So, what else do we want to say about this album? <laughs> I mean, other what than what else that, can we say? Amazing, I don't know. You know? Go listen to it. Yeah. Yes, agreed. Um, okay, so he has, um, after this album, he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten albums. It, after it's that. just amazing how much material he got in so, his solo career after the police. It makes the police look just like a footnote in his. <laughs> It is. Career. it is a footnote. So <laughs> yeah. um, solo and with the police combined, um, Sting has sold over 100 million records and he is ranked all over the place as one of the best living songwriters. By the way, did you know that he helped um, with collaboration write Money for Nothing um, with the Dire Straits and All I, for Love with Brian Adams? I know he's saying it. Uh, on Dire Straits, Money for Nothing, but I didn't know how, to what extent he collaborated on it. Though. Yeah. Um, so in 2018, it just, I just want to, I'm just going to leave this stat to prove his, when we talk about him being a worldly musician and just everything he touched turns to fucking gold. He releases a, a reggae album, but... <sighs> Not a cultural appropriated reggae album, right? He actually collaborates with a Jamaican musician who was and is Shaggy, and they win the Grammy Award for best reggae album. That does not surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah, it's just it not like, surprise me. At yeah, all. I'm gonna make we a reggae Shaggy. album. Give me a fucking we, Grammy. Yeah. <laughs> we know Shaggy because of Sting. Thank you. Um, yeah. so. Um, and then, you know, just him as a person, him and his wife have been devoted to so many incredible uh, and important causes over the years and have done so much um, charity wise. And he has mentioned many times that he could care less about money. He doesn't plan to leave money to his children. He thinks his children are just they're talented in their own right and can make their own money and they spend their money on helping the planet and that's you know that doesn't and hurt this, and this is why he got the cbe from the queen it's for his yes. work. Yep. yes i mean what they have done in the amazon rainforest i don't know if you guys know for for decades now the work they've been doing there has been really incredible um in addition to him being uh, a very handsome fella and an amazing <laughs> musician he is also a really great actor and if you have oh, yeah. seen him like in dune for example or the bride 1985 the bride see it trust me I, wait, didn't we say we were supposed to watch that we probably forgot. all right we'll have to do it next time lock stock and two smoking barrels one of my favorite movies that um his wife i think was producer on if I'm right, he is um, Eddie's father and the owner of the bar. So if that recalls 
who he is in the movie. Um, that movie is absolutely incredible. So he's just a really great actor. Ed and I were talking about um, the Vicar of Dibley. Uh, yes. And his cameo in <laughs> the Vicar of Dibley, which Ed, now Robert and I are going back and starting it all over because now we have to watch. Yes, I <laughs> have to watch that again, too. We should get together and watch it at the same time. We should. Time. We absolutely should. Yes. Um, so the the whole point of this, we were supposed to basically decide who wins in the battle, Sting or the police. So I know exactly how I'm voting, and I'm going to go around and ask you guys, and then we will announce who wins this battle. Who would like to begin? Oh, this is a tough one. Going coming into this, I'm like, no contest. I know exactly how I'm going to uh, vote. But then I started listening, get diving into more of his solo work, and like, damn, <laughs> this is getting tough. But um, as much as I love Sting and his solo work, though, I have such a link to the police and their music is such a huge part of my adolescence and teen years um i just to to me i would have to go with the police i love his new stuff but um if it comes down between the two if i had could only listen to the police's body of work or listen to the sting's body of work for the rest of my life just because of that personal connection um if i would have to go police so that would be my vote okay Matt, I will first start by saying that I'm so happy that we did this because I would be the first one to admit that I was probably a little bit too judgmental on him. I think maybe I listened to too many other people or maybe too many, you know, just assuming that Sting was just this pretentious sort of holier than thou guy like some of his contemporaries. Mm -hmm. But I will I will sit here and I will say I was completely wrong. I was completely impressed and blown away by his breadth of talent, his breadth of knowledge uh, for music and just creating beautiful songs. That being said with his solo stuff, although I made jokes about it before, it is really good stuff. It's just not my taste, but it, it did sort of bump him up a few notches as far as, my respect for him as a musician. Great, great stuff. But I got to go with the police. I just have to go with the police. It, um, it's just a, it's just a small chunk of time that they were around yet yeah, left such a huge impact. And mm -hmm. I can just, the stuff is just so goddamn groovy that I can't, if I'm choosing between the two, I cannot put that on the shelf. So I have to go with the police. Okay. Um, so I'm going to basically just void the both of you because <laughs> I'll tell you why sting is the police. So what you need to do is you need to look at those albums as stings first albums. This is not taking anything away from the other two guys, but if you are familiar with stings body of work and then you go back and listen to the police and you 
you just look at all the writing credits and he it's all sting so there is no police without sting there are none of those songs exist without him not only that but they are all it's it's him i mean through and through those are just his younger albums that's more so, than a fair so argument we're talking about at it. Sting early years versus Sting later years is what we're that's, talking about. That's pretty much basically. what we're talking. That's pretty much what we're talking about. So, and I don't know if I had that opinion until I really like dug deep. But I did a couple comparisons, and I mean, I don't want to get too bogged down in this, but I I took a couple songs, and this is it's a fun exercise to do. So, like take take two songs off of each Police album and try to find a song that matches it on Sting's later albums, especially the early albums we covered. And you can find it super easy and super quickly. So to me, it's all Sting. So Sting wins. Well, you all also notice, too, that even in his solo work, he recalls some lyrics from his years with the police. Mm -hmm. You see them coming, coming back. Yep. Yep. How much of this has to do with you not liking the drummer anymore? <laughs> Nothing. Because he's still a fantastic drummer. He had to be in the police. He There would be none, none of it without... I mean, he had the concept first and then found Sting. Um, yeah. And I'm not taking anything away from Stuart Copeland as a talented, incredibly talented musician, of course. I was merely talking about personality and you know, there was no way the two of them were going to ever make it together. And I think it was clear when Sting said, sure, we will probably play together again another time, but writing an album together will never happen. We'll be together someday. I wonder how many people came upon Sting, like say in the mid nineties, like around Mercury rising. And they're like, Oh shit, he's got all of this stuff from 15, 20 years ago. And then they went back and they're like, oh, the police. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so again, different. Yeah. Absolutely happened. Yeah. Sure. Because what, that's kind of your argument, though, here. Like, yes, they, because yeah. Andy and Stuart, I mean, they're doing things, sure, but who the fuck knows them? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, that's, it's a fair thing. It's a household name. You know, you yeah. can be 80. Or probably, I mean, my grandmother knew who Sting was, and she's passed away in her 90s. You know, and you can be 10 years old right now. And my my niece, if I say Sting, she knows, she may not recall his music, but she knows he's a, he's an artist, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's, I think that's the point, is that it's just it's all Sting. I'll tell you one thing Sting is not, though, at least this thing. He is not a six-time world heavyweight champion. <laughs> no, he's... <laughs> He's just had 50 million other worldwide awards. And oh, he's man. not a Chicago soccer team either. Oh, yeah. Every true. single, every, every country on the planet has music. They don't all have professional wrestling. So, <laughs> I mean, saying you're the world anything is a bit like saying, yeah. I don't know, Miss Universe. Like, we're, we're the only habitable planet on the universe. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Had to incorporate the wrestler in at some point too. Of so. course he did. And, yeah. we, and Matt and I found a found a really great photo as I was like looking over. I was trying to find like my favorite era of Sting because he's just such a damn sexy man. Um, and I came across a photo that was Sting hanging out with Sting. It was that's what it was titled. Oh my god! <laughs> and it was the wrestler and, that's and awesome. the musician <laughs> from the eighties too. Yeah, it was really great. <laughs> 
Um, well, fuck. That was easier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that was fun. I was I'm really glad we have a chance to uh to visit this because as mm. I was saying to you before we started recording, um I've enjoyed Sting's music, some of the hits, but I had never really taken the time to really listen to it and go and listen to his uh broader spectrum of his body of work. Um, and I'm glad I did because I am hooked. Like I said, I've been listening to Sting many hours of Sting just because I want to, not just because, just for the show. <laughs> <laughs> After this happened, so yeah, good stuff. Desert Rose, another one that hasn't been brought up that I I love too. Yeah, that's you're absolutely right. Um, another great example of his uh, um, another huge world music too. and his how he embraces the music of other cultures and kind of brings it in and, and exposes it to people who may not have heard that style before. Yes. And you know, really cool. another thing I, just before we leave that I want to make clear that he helped yoga become what it is like a, a staple in American society. Like everybody really? knows what yoga is. Oh Yeah. He started doing yoga in the 70s, right? Oh, I remember there was on PBS, there was a yoga, like a TV show where they would do yoga on TV. Like when I was a really little kid, watch this. It was like, come on after, I don't know, after Sesame Street or Mr. or something like that. Then all of a sudden there would be like yoga coming on TV. Oh, That's how I, the, the, my first exposure to yoga. Well, apparently he, um, he was asked about his sexual prowess in an interview <laughs> and he I said, yeah. yes. He, so this is a famous story if you don't know this, but um, he said, because of yoga, he can go for hours and he oh was gosh. asked, well, how many hours? And he said, I can go for eight hours. Ask Trudy. Yeah. I don't that made the rounds. I remember that made the rounds. <laughs> that made the rounds on all the late night shows. Get yeah, off of me out. and go go eat a pizza. Go to bed. Fuck off. <laughs> eight hours. Unless I'm on something, which I don't do drugs, so I guess. Uh, I, I, yeah, there I'm there wrong. is such a thing as too as too long, too much. I mean, with yeah. Sting, maybe not. Maybe not. It's Sting. <laughs> All right, that is the end of this. This was super fun. Thank you, Matt, for the suggestion. This was really great. Um, next time we're gonna get back to our um, our metal band. <laughs> Wait, what were we doing? Hair band. Our hair metal series. Our hair metal series. <laughs> Actually, maybe. maybe we will get back to it. We're gonna have some guests, fun guests coming up um, on a future show, and. Um, until then, uh, we'll play us out with Desert Rose, but you guys, you want to take away the usuals? So, listeners and watchers, viewers, watchers? I guess viewers, viewers, what? yeah. Watchers. Yeah, listeners and viewers, we hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> as much as, now. As much as we did. <laughs> Hopefully all you hardcore metalheads and hard rock guys are still here. Uh, but... Uh, so he's an important dude. We had to do this. We had to do this. We did. Um, yeah. So, and also, by the way, gave me another idea. Doing this gave me another idea for a bracket. Okay. Mm. Yes. Oh, yes. Please to don't be, include the to red be hot determined. chili peppers. 
Please. Uh, no, they would not qualify for this bracket, this particular okay. one that I Thank had in mind. God. So, yes, yes. But anyway, more info on that to come. Okay. But for now, guys, follow us on Instagram at Metal Rock Whiskey if you don't already. Follow us on Twitter at Metal Whiskey. Follow and subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. If you've been watching us for over an hour now and you have not hit the like, if you had not hit subscribe, if you had not hit the bell, which tells you every time we upload a video, you have to do that right now. Jesus, then what are you doing with your life? What are you doing? Yes. You're so enthralled with what we have to say that you forgot to do all that. Do it right now. So make sure you you hit all of those. Of course, you can find us individually on the social medias. You can find me right there at the Whiskey Obsessor. (laughs) Save the... E- Save the E, Z, e- K, no E. <laughs> no. Save it. No E on that. Take it out. Put it over here. <laughs> <laughs> or put it in your glass. Yeah. In my Glen Karen. Your Glen Karen. I love Karen. I still love, I love yeah, that. Karen. It's my favorite thing. I wonder if there's some dude out there his, whose name actually is Glenn Karen. Probably. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and where can they find you on the socials? Oh, well, you can find me. I'm usually on Instagram, and you can find me there at Bourbon Geek. And so, listeners and viewers, if you love us or even just like us, like Matt said, please hit that subscribe button, give us a review. It helps us out. It matters. And of course, tune in next time where we will be back with an upper up, another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. I can talk. <laughs> we will. We'll be back and Ed will be speaking or we might have subtitles. We'll see. We'll decide. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Seriously, I can't believe we've been doing this for as long as we have. We have such a good time. We have so much fun. Um, it's been fun. So I appreciate you guys listening because that's why we keep doing it. And uh, on that note, I really don't have a fuck you tonight, which is weird. See? See what Sting does to me? He has this calming effect. <laughs> he, he wooed wow. me into being nice. He's like a great herbal tea. Just kind of <laughs> calms you. Ah, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so I'll just say good night later, everyone. <laughs>